chapter 17. We're continuing this series today and we're coming to one of the most famous stories in the life of King David. The 17th chapter has to do with David encountering Goliath. And what I want us to see today in this great story is that you and I face giants as well. And that the God that we serve enables us to conquer the giants. I pray today that this story would, would, would be fresh to us. Most of us, if we've been in church as a young child, we've heard this story. It's one of our favorite stories. We've probably heard it uh, alluded to in messages and preached on numerous times. But I pray that today... Lord, make this just fresh and alive in our hearts. Amen? In this passage, it's interesting. It's one of the most famous battles in the Old Testament. But it's not against two armies. It's against two individuals. And in this battle, we, we see something that is so powerful in our own lives. And I pray that we'll just have a fresh revelation as we read this. And as we go to chapter 17, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I'm going to hit a lot of the verses. But I want us to begin actually in verse uh, 7 of chapter 16. Because this is important. Go back one chapter and I want us to read this verse. Because as we look at this battle, we need to remember this. We need to remember what the Lord said to Samuel. He said, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's so true. We judge by what we see physically. We're, we're either judge and say, oh, that person looks handsome, that person looks beautiful, that person looks strong, that person looks intelligent. Or we look at them and say, well, not so much. I am thankful today God doesn't look at our outward appearance, but He looks at our hearts. And when He looks at our hearts, He sees individuals that when they're like David... People after his own heart, those are people that he can work through and work on their behalf and see great and wonderful things take place in their life. David was a giant slayer. I want you to say that with me. David was a giant slayer. And guess what? Today at the end of the service, I want to slay some giants. I want to face some giants in our lives and see those giants taken down and taken out. Because the God we serve is greater than any giant that we face. You may be here today and you may face a giant physically. Maybe the doctors have come and they've spoken to you and said, you, you have this disease or or this ailment and there's not much we can do. They may have come to you and, and said, you know, there's no hope. Let me tell you, God's greater than that giant. 
There may be a giant in your finances today that you're wondering how I'm going to ever pay these bills, how I'm ever going to be able to, to meet my obligations. We serve a giant slayer. He wants us to be giant slayers. Amen? Whatever you're facing today, whatever that giant is, and I'm praying that God will begin to reveal those giants to you during this message so that when we come to the end, we can stand and we can say, Lord, I'm going to take out this giant. Is anybody with me on that? Let's get into it. Goliath had all the things that we would normally look at and be impressed with. He was a massive individual. He was suited up in the best armor of the day. And yet, God is greater than any giant that we face. David knew that. David wasn't intimidated by the giant. He didn't care about his massive size. He didn't care about his armor. What he cared about was that the same God that gave him victory over the lion and the bear would be the same God that would give him victory over Goliath. I want you to turn to somebody today and tell them, our God is greater. Our God is greater than any giant that we face. In Philippians chapter 2, listen to what Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He says in verse 9, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to understand, church, every knee will bow before our Lord one day. They may fight against Him right now, but one day every knee will bow. And that includes every false God, every, everyone that denies God, everyone in this world that has ever been born. We will bow our knee before God because He is the ultimate. There's no other name higher than His name. Amen? I love that passage there that Paul speaks Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now I want to ask you today, is He your Lord? In 1 Samuel, let's look at verse 1 through 3. Chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokoh, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokoh and Azekah, and Ephes Dami. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. Now the valley of Elah was about a mile wide, and it had a, a, a gentle slope up both sides of about half a mile. And on, on one side of this half a mile slope encamped was the Philistines, and on the other was the Israelites. And every day, Goliath would come, and he would begin to mock them and ridicule them. He would mock their God. He would try to belittle them. 
And church, that's exactly what giants try to do in our life. They try to bring fear upon us. They try to ridicule us. They try to tell us, you might as well give in and give up and let them control your life. And yet David realized that God was a God of victory that wanted him to experience the victory of God through his life so that when he heard those words of the enemy, he wasn't going to give in to the intimidation. Now the Philistine champion was impressive. Look at verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now we don't know exactly how long a cubit was in those days. We have an idea. It was the measurement between a man's elbow and the tip of his middle finger on his hand. That was at one cubit. Now in those days, obviously men were not the same size. They didn't have the same length arms. So we can't say exactly how tall it was. But we, we know that it was about 18 inches is the normal um, measurement that we use today. 18 inches. In my, in my studies, I found some that said, well, he was, he was maybe seven feet tall, and others went all the way up to nine feet, nine inches tall. And I have a tendency to believe the, the larger number simply because the weight of his armor was over 200 pounds. So he had to be a massive man. Now, I want you to, to think about that. Honey, come up here, would you? Now, Melinda is about five feet, five inches, and I'm about six feet, five inches. I'm a foot taller than Melinda. Now, the average man in, the, in this period of time was only an inch taller than Melinda. So, I'm not seven foot, but if I was seven foot, you know, imagine how much taller I would have been. But imagine nine foot. He was huge. Thanks, honey. First time you being short ever came into a message, but that'll, that'll work. But think about it. The average man was only five foot six in those days. Saul was the tallest man in Israel, and Saul was about my height. It says he was a head taller than all the other men. But even at my height, I guarantee you, I played basketball in college, and when I would play against somebody that was seven foot one or two or three, I felt small. And when I'd get in there and start battling under the boards, they outweighed me by a lot, and they'd just kind of knock me around. And I, I was six foot six. I wasn't tiny, but just that little bit of height and that little bit of mass made a huge difference when we were battling on the basketball court. So I can't imagine going up against somebody who's nine foot tall, possibly as, as tall as nine foot nine inches, some of the scholars think. But he was a massive man. But that wasn't all. Listen to this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 5. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. We don't know exactly again because our measurements are different. But they estimate that his coat of mail, which would have been like 
uh, fish scales, little plates of bronze overlapping one another, and it would have gone from his shoulders all the way down to his knees to protect him. It would have weighed over 200 pounds with the, with the, if you include his helmet and you include his spear. It goes on and talks about the spear. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That would have been about 20 pounds. And a shield bearer went before him. So he had, a, had a, an, another man that went before him that just carried this massive shield. And that shield was about the size of an average man. So that shield would have been about 5 feet 6 inches. So think about that. Think about how that had to be intimidating when, when the men of Israel encountered this guy. Imagine how frightened he must have looked with all that armor and how great his size was. And I want us to see something. Look at verse 8, 8 and 9, 1 Samuel 17. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. This was common in this day. It was a common thing for armies when they encountered to have their champion fight the champion of another army so that they didn't have to lose a great amount of life and there wasn't a great amount of bloodshed. If you believed in your champion, then you'd just send him out to face the champion on the other side. And so that's what Goliath is doing. He's taunting them. He's coming out as the Philistine champion and saying, we'll serve you if there's anyone in your army that can can kill me. And that's exactly how those giants come to us today. They come to intimidate us. Who are you? You don't have what it takes. You can't stand up against me. Look at how massive I am. Look at my armor. Look at all my strength. Look at who I am. You can't contend with me. And church, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? Two or three people like that. Okay. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't let the enemy come with those giants and intimidate you and tell you you don't have what it takes. Because we have everything it takes. Because we have Jesus. Amen? Goliath had challenged them every day for 40 days. It had been over a month. He was challenging them every day, coming out there, mocking them, ridiculing them. And there's a message here, and I want us to see it. Meanwhile, Jesse, David's father, is concerned about his sons that are there. The three eldest sons have gone off to fight in this battle. And in verse 17 and 18, it says, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah, of this dried grain and those ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands 
and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. So David's father was concerned. So he sends Jesse, or sends David, to go and, and list, to find out how the brothers are doing and to take them some food to bless them. So David wasn't going there to fight. Think about this, church. David wasn't going there to face a giant. He wasn't going there to fight. He was just going there to bring them supplies and to see how the battle was going. The enemy will come with his giants ready to take you out when you least expect it. When you're not ready to encounter the giant. When you don't know that you're going to face a giant. But what I want you to see is, David was ready. (laughs) He didn't know he was going to fight a giant. But he knew who he was in his God. He knew who his God was. That he was the one in charge. He was the true and the living God. And that no matter what he faced, his God was with him. Church, there's a message there for us. When a giant comes, take him out. Are you, did you hear that? The giant had come for 40 days, mocking them, ridiculing them, bringing fear into the lives of the Israeli army. That's not how you do battle. That's not how you... You, you let the enemy just come and continue to mock because he will bring fear. They were shaking in their boots. They were afraid. No one was ready to stand up to Goliath. So church, the message is here. You may not be ready for a battle, but if Goliath or a giant stands before you, you get ready and take him out in Jesus' name. You don't let him mock your God. Too many times we act just like the Israeli army. We, we think, wow, look at that shiny armor. Wow, that armor weighs more than I do. Look at the size of that giant. It's overwhelming. How can I stand up? There's none of us here that can stand up to that giant. Church, we need to be living knowing the victories that God has given us and that the victory ahead of us is His. Look at verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things that went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. So David comes up just in time when when all this is going on for this day. It was the 41st day. As he wonders what will happen. Look at verse 22. And David left his supplies in the land of the supply keeper, or the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. Notice this. This is easy to skip over. Now, Goliath isn't over there in the Philistine camp. He has come down the slope, and he's starting to come up into Israeli territory. 
If you don't deal with the giant, it will embolden him and he will begin to take territory that belongs to you. Amen? The verse continues and says, And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. Listen to this, church. This time, a man of faith is hearing God being mocked. This time, David, who had seen God giving victories, is hearing the mocking of the enemy, and he gets ready to take out the giant. Look at verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now I want you to see this. Here's David. He comes, greets his brother. They're shouting battle chants from the other side. They're shouting back and forth. And here's Goliath. He comes out. And all of the men around him, all of his brothers, what does it say they did? They, they're afraid and they turn and they begin to run back to their tents and David's standing here alone. David's going, where did I go? And David is hearing Goliath. So now it's David and Goliath. And all the men of Israel, it says, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. David had never heard the giant. He had never seen the giant. But suddenly everyone's running away from the giant. And David is furious about this. I want us to, to note this. Goliath has come across the valley. He started up. And David is the one that's standing there. Church, you can't afford to tolerate a giant. Look at verse 26. This is such an important verse. I love this verse. Verse 26 through 28. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? His brother is mocking David. His brother is angry at David. Church, when you come as a man or woman of faith and you stand to take on the giant, there will always be those that will mock you and ridicule you. Because they're not living in faith, they're living in fear. So don't be surprised when someone that may be older and may be smarter, may be wiser, may be stronger, comes up to you and says, oh, you can't do that. You're, you're, you, you have a few little sheep that you take care of. You don't understand this battling the Philistines thing. And then he goes on. 
He says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. So David's brother is saying, you just came for the excitement. You just came to see this battle that's going to be fought. And here you are talking like this. But church, I want you to notice, this is one of the most important things I want to bring out today. I want everyone to listen to this. David does not get in a battle with Eliab. Too many times when the giants show up and somebody's afraid and they say something that's hurtful or going to wound us, we turn on them and we begin to battle one another when the giant's standing there laughing at us. I see it all the time in counseling. I see the husband and the wife, and they've done things that were wrong, that were irritating that, to one another, and they've said things that, that have hurt one another. But church, we need to understand when the giant is there, and many times they're, they're looking at one another and saying, why aren't you perfect, and why aren't you perfect, and why don't you do this, and why don't you do that? Let me tell you, I'm not perfect. Melinda's perfect. We learned, we didn't, we didn't, no, you're not. You thought, boy, I'd scored right there. We're not perfect. But I learned a long time ago when, when something took place that Melinda wasn't my enemy and that I'm not her enemy, that there was a giant in the room that was trying to come and take us out. And when we realize that and we join together and we said, I'm sorry I, I, I said those things, I'm sorry. And she says, she's sorry. Say, you're sorry. <laughs> Another message. Happy wife, happy life, guys. That's just... But there's giants all around us. There's giants coming against our family. There's giants coming against us as individuals. We need to understand, this is not the battle. The battle belongs to the Lord, and the battle's to take out the enemy. Amen? Okay, thanks, man. What did Paul say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Right? We are in a battle. And there is a giant. We face giants. But when Eliab comes and Eliab's scared and Eliab begins to speak things that hurt us or wound us, church, David just ignored it. And he got his attention on the giant. Let's keep our attention on the giant knowing who that he is the one where the battle needs to take place. Amen? Look at verse 32. Then David said to Saul, now the, the scene has shifted. Instead of being with the men, David is called by Saul. The word gets around that, that David is saying, speaking things of faith. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. So now, 
here's the king who is a head taller than David, at least. And he is the one in authority over the nation. And he's telling David he can't do it. Sometimes, church, you will have people in authority over you. It can be a boss. It can be a parent. It can be a school teacher, someone in authority over you that is not speaking the truth about the situation when it comes to having faith and taking out the giant. Amen? Even our own family can speak things over and say, well, you're just, you just don't have the education to do that, or you, you don't have the ability to do that, or you know, that's not your personality, that's not your gifting. In church, we need to be focused on Jesus and who He says we are. He sees our heart. Amen? He sees our heart. In verse 33, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. In verse 36, I want you to see this. I love this. Now we're getting to the good part. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David was looking at the situation from past victories. Everybody say past victories. God gives us victories. And when we have victories in the past, we need to keep them where we observe them. Where we understand that they were victories that God has given us. And that's what David's doing. He's saying it doesn't matter how tall he is. It doesn't matter how much his armor weighs. It doesn't matter that he has a sword and a javelin. And, and, and a coat of mail, it doesn't matter. Because the same God who gave me the victory right here when I fought the bear, right here when I fought the lion, will give me the victory over this giant. Church, are you living from a stance where you remember the victories that God has given you? Come on, church. God's given us victories. Later on in this passage, we see where David takes the armor. David had a trophy room. And we don't know, it doesn't tell us in Scripture, but I think David kept that armor of Goliath in his trophy room all of his life. When he was feeling down, when he was feeling discouraged, he'd just walk into that trophy room and take a look at that massive helmet and that shield and that sword and he would remember God did it then he's the same God and he'll do it again amen I love that verse look at verse 40 then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. 
and he drew near to the Philistine. David went equipped just like he was equipped when he fought the lion and the bear. We skipped over the passage, but Saul says, here, take my armor, suit up in my armor. It was the best armor. And it was huge on him. He couldn't move. David said, no, the same God who gave me victory over the lion and the bear will give me the victory. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be handsome. It's not how we appear on the outside. It's what God sees in our heart. In verse 41, it says, So the Philistine came and began drawing near David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Notice he's coming, and he's He's saying, I have the victory because of the God that I serve. Because the God that I worship. Amen? I get tickled every time I read this because David's talking smack. The giant comes and he's he's trying to intimidate him. David just talks smack right back to him. He does. He says, I'm going to give the flesh of the birds, the air, and the beasts of the field. And then he Then he boils it down to why. He says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He knew his God. He had a relationship with his God. Church, we need a genuine encounter with the true and the living God. We're not here today because we want to look at some historical story in the Old Testament. We're here today because we have come because we face genuine giants in our lives and we have the same God. We serve the same Lord, the same Savior. Amen? And we want to live in that presence and that power of the true and the living God. This day the Lord, David continues, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. Then all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Notice his motivation. David's saying, I want the entire world to know the true and the living God and what it's like to live a life with Him. Church, that's my prayer today. I want the whole world to know the power of the true and the living God, the grace and the love and the mercy. And that that's the God that wants to give you victories over every giant that you face. Finally, in verse 49 and 50, then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone 
and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in his hand. Verse 51, Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw it, that their champion was dead, they fled. Church, this is more than just a Sunday school story. It's more than just a fun story to share with the kids, to get excited about. It's a message about a God who when we live for Him will give us the victory and whether we face the bear or the lion or the giant. And He wants us to take Him out. He doesn't want us to live in intimidation. He doesn't want us to live in fear. But He wants us to trust in Him knowing that this battle belongs to the Lord. David had to fight it. But the battle was the Lord's. And he knew that. It was the Lord that enabled him to conquer the bear and conquer the lion and conquer Goliath. Will you stand with me? And I want to ask the worship team to come. I want to ask our prayer team to take their positions today. And as we come to the close of the service this morning, I want to ask you to be honest. Are you facing a giant today? Are you facing a giant that's intimidating you? A giant that's belittling you. A giant that's telling you you might as well turn and run. Are you facing a giant that seems so great that you can't stand against that giant alone? Just like David, when he encountered the giant, he didn't wait 40 days listening to the giant's intimidation. He took the giant out. And I feel with all my heart that the Lord's saying, today's the day to take out the giant. It may be a giant in a relationship. It may be a giant in your finances. It may be a giant spiritually. But whatever that giant is today, church, I want you to find someone at the back of the auditorium or at the front. And I want you to agree with them in prayer. And I want you to take out the giant. Amen? As the worship team begins to play, will you come and find a prayer partner today and just agree with them, would you?